welcome to the Enter Player 2 podcast. I'm Nicole McFall and I'm joined by Player 2, Carl Murray. We discuss anything and everything about the world of games. Our show features deep dive discussions where we answer the questions that have all been on our minds, as well as that, we're going to go head to head in the Game of the Week showdown. Today we're going to discuss the Xbox Game Showcase and share our thoughts and opinions on what is to come. Last week we were gifted with showcases from two of the major games companies. Nintendo released a Direct Mini which included third party games with a duration of around 10 minutes. We were expecting maybe a half an hour Direct due to the rumours, but that unfortunately did not happen. We decided to hold off and cover the Xbox Game Showcase event instead. Before the event happened we were told it would be around an hour long and Jeff Keatley, who looks after the Video Game Awards, was holding a pre-show that would show new games as well. So we got a lot to talk about in today's episode. But before we really get into the main show, we have our predictions. So Nicole, what are your predictions for this press conference? So my predictions were Halo Infinite. I know a lot of the Xbox fanboys and girls really were expecting that. There was the reboot of the Fable series. I was expecting that. However, I was hoping for AAA IP from the exclusive first party Xbox studio, The Initiative. Some have been whispering about a perfect dark reboot, but it's clear that Xbox are in dire need of a new triple rated title to diversify the range as well as to knock the big three halo gears and forza to the side just so that we can make room for the next xbox x generation so i was a wee bit disappointed that we didn't hear anything more from the initiative considering they've been going now two years but i suppose you can't rush perfection what's been your predictions so my predictions were obviously halo infinite which they had said they were going to discuss and show the gameplay of i was hoping for maybe a new cuphead cuphead 2 uh, instead of DLC but unfortunately didn't get that and I was hoping with maybe a DLC or something to do with Ori and the Willow of the Wisps or maybe we got like an updated version for the Xbox Series X with Ori and the Blind Force but we ended up getting something with Ori and the Willow of the Wisps anyway so I, I was happy with that. Yeah I think a few people have sort of been asking Xbox to go more of a nostalgia trip. Some people were even talking about Banjo and Kazooie which was pretty interesting. That isn't surprising considering how well Sparrow's been doing and I think also the Crash Bandicoot so a few people have been craving that but Microsoft aren't going in that direction they need to stay with their competitors in ps5 and they need to have that sort of future-esque vision in mind do you know what i mean it's not like xbox to go backwards but do you think that they maybe are going backwards with this new halo because whenever we saw the new gameplay it kind of looks like they were going back to basics yeah i i completely understand what you're saying there it's almost like they're going back to what essentially made the halo franchise so important to the console to begin with but you have to sort of spin it on its head a bit because whilst we see a wee bit more of the classic Master Chief and some of the classic maps that we really appreciated, the gameplay and the mechanics have revolutionised. The graphics is going to be insanely better, especially with the um, 10 times more powerful processor. You can fact check me, is that right? I'm not 100% too sure (laughs) well it's a beast under the hood and we know that (laughs) um but i think a lot's to be expected in terms of it being not so much a reboot but almost a love song to the original gameplay narrative does that make sense yeah it does make sense and they kind of said that this is going to be the last halo for a while that's going to be following master chief so this could be you know the send-off that they need before you know, they, they bring Master Chief back in five to ten years. Yeah, I kind of feel like the games that came off from the Halo 3 um, legendary classic era 
like the likes of Halo 4 was good, Halo 5 I never even played, I played Guardians and it was alright and then there was Halo ODST which is a very underrated um, installation within the franchise that a lot of people appreciate but a lot of it feels quite like filler and I know with the Halo Infinite there's a massive promise of the multiplayer aspect being so much more promising but we'll get into that later on in the episode yeah the last two times we've done this for ubisoft and sony we kind of talked through the event but instead i think we're going to kind of take it a different direction and we're really just going to talk about our favorite games what we thought about the event and what the strengths of it was as well and i'll begin by saying that this is a great press conference if you own an xbox one and were thinking of upgrading to a series x and you should really have walked away from that watching it and said okay i don't need to do that anymore because the reason is xbox games pass yeah the xbox games pass for a while um it's it's doing incredible a friend of mine rumored that it it was going to stop entirely so i was glad to see that they just turned around and says okay all the games you saw today they're going to be in the xbox game pass and i was really overwhelmed by how some of the games especially the ones that we're really looking forward to like xbox or not xbox infinite oh my god it just goes to show you halo infinite (laughs) because the mascot um is available xbox one so that's brilliant um so it's good that they haven't completely skipped the generation and give us a wee bit of room to get up to that point of changing consoles yeah so around 15 dollars or 10 pound a month you're going to be able to get all these games and people are kind of making the comparisons to the ps5 being like you're going to have to pay you know 50 pound to maybe 60 dollars or maybe even more for every single one of these games whereas if you're going to go in here and pay 10 dollars or 10 pound a month and you're going to be able to get this on Xbox One without even having to upgrade. That is great, but is that going to hurt the sales of the Xbox Series X in the long run? Are people not going to be encouraged to upgrade over time? I don't think that's necessarily true. I kind of feel like maybe they are following the PS5 in that Xbox have said, right, we have a really good online community, but we need to be more friendly. And I think we can both agree that the PlayStation Network has done a lot better over the course of the years than Xbox has. So the fact that they've basically, I can only say is like an impromptu games Netflix, um, that they're streaming all these great quality games. And there's that archive that's available to everyone. I think it's sorely needed for that long-term investment because if people are going to change over to this console and they want to get a new generation involved in this, then they're going to need to really give some to get some. So I think that's great in terms of strategically for their sales, but it might impact it a little bit. But then again, there is the classic gamer like me and yourself who really enjoy a hard physical copy. So they might not feel if the game pass as much as you think. I like the phrase that you coined there, sort of the Netflix of gaming. I really, really like that because that's probably the the best sentence to describe Xbox Game Pass is that, you know, I want to sit down, I want to play Halo tonight, but tomorrow I want to go and play Forza. You know, you're able to go in and out and you don't need to spend $60 or £60 to upgrade as well. Like you can, we can do this on PC or we could do it on the Xbox One instead. Yeah, and as I was saying, obviously because they had invited the PC community in this Game Pass, and also I think one of the first games I actually released on it was Halo. Can imagine what it would be like playing Halo Infinite with a really, really good gaming PC? You know, I think I we were talking spec-wise, but PCs with consoles, there's always going to be a step, a level higher. 
So that will be incredible when you think about it, with that HD graphics. It's nice to see that Xbox are kind of embracing the PC community as well and they're kind of not alienating them and saying, no, we will give you an opportunity to play our games as well here. It's available via this and you can also get it on games pass as well i think sony have kind of done the same where they have something where you can play it online somehow but it's nice that they're see they're starting to embrace the pc community and we have horizon zero dawn coming out on the pc i think in august and we just had death stranding release as well this week so we can see that's two major um games from sony now coming on to the pc but it's different because once again on the xbox side you can pay you know 10 pound a month 15 dollars a month and you can get this a wide variety of lab of um games for free yeah just sort of put a comparison i'm just fact checking you whenever you were talking about the on-demand streaming service that both um the xbox and playstation consoles provide i think it was playstation now you were referring to i think playstation now is the one where you can you get free games but there is like a service like play anywhere i think it is where you can play certain games on console and or not on console sorry on pc i'm not 100 too sure on that but i know that there is a service where you can do it it might be playstation now i'm not 100 too sure it definitely is um in terms of just if we were to sort of put them side to side this is by the way, this is not a Microsoft versus Sony uh, podcast no, no. <laughs> episode, but just to put things in perspective as gamers, what's the best investment? So PlayStation Now, I think, is something like $60 a year, whilst okay. Xbox Game Pass is actually 120 Oh. Um, PlayStation Now has over 800 games, but you have to give a wee bit of room here because Xbox Game Pass has actually nearly 400, but it's only relatively new. PlayStation Now has been out for a while. Um, the only thing is, is PlayStation Now, you can download only certain titles, but Game Pass, you can download all games, which is good. Um, now gives stre- streamable, Game Pass doesn't have it. And then PlayStation Now has PS2 and PS3 involved, um, but there's Xbox, Xbox 360, probably going to be Xbox One now. So they are paralleling in certain ways, but PlayStation Now seems to be a bit cheaper. So... Um, I'm not entirely convinced of Game Pass, but maybe this will change my mind. I think that maybe for playing Halo on an Xbox uh, One, I think that maybe investing in Game Pass for maybe three months, for example, would be great because, you know, you get to try these new games around Christmas time whenever they've launched on the new console on your old console, which is great. So instead of having to go out and buy this game physically for £60, you know, you're it's going to be fine. Plus, one of the benefits to this new Xbox Series X console is that it will have the exact same discs that the Xbox One has as well. You'll see the wee green optimized for Series X on the cover, but I think they have it like on the side where it'll say for Xbox One and Xbox Series X. So let's really get into Halo here. Um, I just want to say this from the start that I'm not really a big Xbox person, so Nicole will be our <laughs> our guide through this episode uh, as we go and unearth all of the the microsoft goodies oh my god you make me sound like i'm just going to take you your hand and lead you to the dark (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. So we're trying something different. We're, we're going to do our favorite games instead of kind of criticizing everything and go, we didn't like this, we didn't like that. Aww. So we're starting off with the with the big, massive books. And of course, they needed to start off this press conference of Halo because it's something they've been leaning up to. They released the box art during the week and they were like, come at us. We need to start off strong. We need to hit the ground running. And it really did. People just tuned in to see Halo. And we got a very nice, lengthy segment. We got a first look at the gameplay. It looks very fun. It looks great. And it's what the people wanted. We're going back to the basics. Yeah. I, Halo, honestly, when I watched this, I got goosebumps. Car was like, are you okay? And it's like, yeah, yeah. It just brought me back to Halo 3. It was a wee bit of a nostalgia trip. Um, but I have to say, it looks like a fantastic game. Whenever, I'm sure, spoilers, obviously, if anyone's watched the trailer, you land on a map that is reminiscent of Valhalla. The soundtrack is there. So yeah, we're starting to see some of the classic villains, the Brutes, the Grunts, the Elites. Uh, no Arbor yet, but there was mention of them. Um, and we sort of took a sidestep away from the Prometheans and the Didact, which, to be honest with you, I appreciated, but didn't enjoy. Doesn't really have the same appeal as the party box um, Grunts exploding. You know the wee ugly dudes that are running around and shoot them and they pop when you put the funny skull on? Yeah, I think I've watched you play it a few times beforehand, so I'm not a big Microsoft Halo guy, so I just sit and go, what's this? What's that? Are you Master Chief? You're not that bad. You're not the total noob. Like, the only reason you're so butthurt about Halo is because I kept kicking your ass. <laughs> yeah, I think it was Halo 3, maybe? Halo 3 and Halo 4. Yeah, I absolutely annihilated you in Valhalla. I was pretty good with the stickies and the snipes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and one of the best things is that you can actually get the Master Chief Collection on PC, which I'm eventually going to invest in. But one of the things about this game is that me and you were able to play through one of the campaigns as co-op. Yeah, so I think many people who've been listening to that episode will remember how successful Bungie Net was. Uh, 343 Industries have been successful, but it hasn't had the same unique appeal because it's been quite repetitive. Even whenever we look into the likes of the esports and all the tournaments, many of those um, fights are done in Halo 3 because the combat system and the multiplayer system was just so successful. So hopefully, if we're going back to basics, the multiplayer is going to be part of that. You brought up Bungie there, and one of the things that is coming to uh, Game Pass or the Xbox uh, Series X is Destiny. You know what my thoughts are on Destiny. Yeah, you think that Destiny is a poor man's Halo? <laughs> yeah it's basically Bungie are like okay so we've sold it off to 343 what let's make a new ip does it have a helmet yes does it have a gun yes is it a first person shooter in the future yes is it halo no it's destiny the cheap man's halo <laughs> but Bungie, you're really really good i i haven't given them enough of a chance but it's the first ip they did as soon as they finished halo and it just it's just too much of an echo for me it just was too s- symbolic of it <laughs> I never really played any of Halo and I kind of played a wee bit of Destiny 2 but I remember whenever the first Destiny came out I remember seeing the box art I remember watching the gameplay and I thought this looks like a really really great game I could really get into this but I don't have a PS3 or a PS4 so could never really get into it and then by the time that I did get a PS3 I think it was coming out on the PS4 and I was like uh, I can't really get this yet so I've kind of watched from afar, but to be able to now go and play this on Xbox Game Pass, on mm-hmm. you know, Xbox One, along with all the expansions, and like say you and your friends go out and, and get it, you know, that's that's really good 
multiplayer aspect, you know, with all the raids and that that you can play through. Plus, you know, it's a brand new experience. Like I know you're saying it's a cheap man's halo, but it's in space, it's got clans, it's got basically uh, a whole world for you to explore. Yeah, I think a really cool aspect um of Destiny was like I'm a classic Halo fan and I'm being an absolute snob when it comes to first person shooters whenever it's in the future. Destiny has kept the formula that made Bungie so successful in the first place. It's online community. Whilst Halo sort of conforms to that sort of release culture, um, Destiny is like a self-contained online community that just keeps adding and adding and adding and that's what you were saying about that sort of like gaming ecosystem with all these cults and these clans and different aspects and dlcs and new patches i think that's one thing that i would maybe enjoy about it and i think a lot of pc gamers too um i suppose maybe i I shouldn't be such a snob i should give it a chance if it's made by bungie it should be good it should be good and i think that we will give it a chance and we're going to add it to the many list of games that we are going to have to play to come back and give our opinion on. <laughs> yeah, honestly, like if you can think of any games that you recommend we play that's not just like Destiny, send us an email. Yeah. We'll give you the dates later. And maybe one day we will do an episode dedicated to that where we will talk maybe about one or two games that we've played beforehand. Oh, yeah. Like an episode, like Fan Corner. Mm, yeah. I like that. So now we are going to stay in space and we're going to talk about the Outer, the Outer Worlds DLC um, and we're also going to talk about Obsidian Game Studios. So Obsidian Games had a really nice part in the showcase. They revealed the first DLC for the Outer Worlds and I remember you watching it, Nicole, and you're like, what the hell is this game? But the Outer Worlds has been described as Fallout in space and they seem to be really hitting the mark with a lot of players where Bethesda hasn't. <laughs> yeah. Not but that's not hard. Bethesda doesn't hit the mark a lot of the times. Exactly, and that's why people are like, "Yeah, you'll really like the outer outer worlds." It is Fallout, but it's it's in space. I was watching the trailer, and I was just like, "This is just some nineteen fifties propaganda Fallout vids." Yeah. Um. I honestly, I felt like the trailer didn't do it justice because we didn't see an awful lot of gameplay it was just more cinematic content but then again do you know when obsidian sort of lands is it sooner rather than later because they probably will release more unless it was done in um some after party content so this is kind of like the first dlc that they got planned and i think they're planning maybe for at least another two which should be good i'm not too sure but it shows you how well received that the outer worlds was everyone really really enjoyed it and i had people who don't necessarily play games maybe you're talking about people in their 40s their 50s come to me and say oh this is actually a really really good game i recommend you get it and this is people who play on xbox and actually who played the game on switch as well okay so we can really see that with the success of the outer worlds it has really reached out to a lot of people and they actually are creating a new game called Avowed, which is kind of like an Elder Scrolls type first person RPG. <laughs> so they really are trying to, to capitalize on uh, not Bethesda games, but they're kind of like, oh yeah, we see what you're doing now, Bethesda, but we can do it much, much better. <laughs> Just giving them the finger, is he? <laughs> yeah, it's saying, this is a big finger up to you saying, nope, we can do it better than you. But people really liked skyrim so it's it's going to be interesting to see how obsidian games 
take unique twist in this, and they also released kind of a, a RPG beforehand, and apparently it's going to be set in the exact same world as their previous game. I'm not 100% too sure what it's called, but one of my friends reached out and uh, told me about that. And would, would you play Obsidian then over Skyrim? So I played Skyrim. I really, really got into Skyrim whenever I was in school, and I kind of always go back to it. It's one of those games that gets released on every single console. It's been released in VR. We've talked about it loads on this podcast. So maybe playing this game where it's a different type of um, Elder Scrolls-like experience, I think I'd be down for that. Moving on to another game which Obsidian decided to showcase, which is called Grounded. It's basically what I can describe only as Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, except it is now turned into a video game. I think it looks like a really beautiful game. It was really developed well and the graphics are fantastic and it's really colourful and it's an interesting concept, which is a bit of a step away from what we're kind of used to with Xbox, especially because it's like first-person shooter Topia. <laughs> but big spider Reno's aside, I think it's going to be really good. I would play it. I would definitely play it as well. It's described as a simulation game where you and your friends will have to survive in a backyard plagued with bugs that can eat you alive. And that is the synopsis for it. <laughs> there was something about betraying your friends as well. Not only that, you're in an unfamiliar and unfriendly environment. You're in your back garden and it's a survival game, which is pretty interesting like i would like to see what the way they do it in terms of the mechanics of that and the way they develop that you know with scrounging for food and materials fending off the occasional spider and what relationships you start to develop could you see it being more of a multiplayer game or could you see it being story-based as because it's kind of got a bit of an rpg vibe so the way that they described it afterwards was it's a survival multiplayer game that you can play with your friends. However, there is an actual story in it as well. Okay, I think it'll be pretty cool. I think it'd be interesting to see maybe how you got shrunk down. and um, Maybe that's the whole story that, you know, there was a device in your backyard, you got shrunk down with your friends, and now you have to fight off these bugs, build this big massive beast and survive and try not to kill each other. <laughs> there is so much potential for that. Like, honestly... There probably is going to be a lot to do with, you know, resources, crafting, building, surviving, cooking. There's going to be a lot of stats-based compatibility, but it would be interesting to see what the combat mode would be like. Yeah, there's going to be loads of different weapons, and you're going to have to fend off big spugs. Uh, big spugs, big, big spiders. Spugs. Big spugs, big <laughs> bunny. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no bunnies, but uh, big spiders uh, and also ants and grasshoppers. And I don't know if there's a toad in there or not, but I hope not. But yeah, it kind of gave me the, the heebie-jeebies, but I think that it will be fun to maybe watch a few videos on it. I don't know if I'll necessarily play it myself, though. I would play it on, I would play it on Game Pass, but I wouldn't go out of my way. I spend about 40 or 50 quid on it. <laughs> yeah, I think it'd be fun with friends. Yeah, me too. So let's maybe move into a game, Nicole, that you're a bit more familiar with and you can kind of guide me through since I don't really have any association with this game. But the press conference closed with a cinematic trailer for Fable and apparently this is going to be a soft reboot of the franchise. However, the dry humour and tone looks like it will be making a return. The last Fable that was released was Fable 3 back in 2010. So can you maybe talk us through what Fable 3 was like and kind of what you're expecting in this new soft reboot going forward. 
Yeah, of course. Honestly, I encourage you to play the Fable game. I was actually going to be super cruel and say, what was your take on the trailer? What do you think it's about? But I think that's a wee bit unfair. Um, there's a lot of lore to the Fable world, so it's only fair that I take you through. Grab my hand, I'm going to take it through. Um, so, yeah, I played Fable 3 back when it was released in 2010 and I actually had an absolute ball with it. The reason being is the mechanics in it, um, the animation style was very, very unique. It, cartoonish at times, but um, fabulous. I know that the Fable game, the, f- the first one came out on the original Xbox console, so um, my extent of my understanding is only from Fable 3 going forward. But I do. I really enjoyed the fact that you were able to play throughout the game, and you had the sort of moral dichotomy of being either good or bad. And obviously, it being an RPG, it gave you a lot of choice. So if you were good, you started to look angelic. Your appearance looked beautiful. Um, people really enjoyed being around you. You were very polite. But if you were bad and you made bad choices, um, your appearance became extremely demonic. Um, and people hated you and give you insults so i kind of like that you could have tailored your narrative maybe that's an aspect they probably keep but fable is really well known for its humor um its charm and its writing and as far as i'm aware the next installation in the fable franchise it's not going to be a soft reboot um it's actually going to be the next title in the franchise the playground uh games studios have been teasing fans for a very long time and i think we deserve it it being 10 years um, for Fable 3. There was a lot of speculation on Twitter, with Twitter accounts actually being made um, for Fable, and many people were getting extremely excited about it. I'm really happy that Playground Games have started to take a bit of a backward step from the success of their Forza games and started to show a wee bit more love for their RPG. So I'm really excited for the new Fable 4 for the Xbox Series X and I'm really looking forward to what is to come. There wasn't a whole lot given away in the trailer. What was your thoughts on it? Um, I think that the trailer looked interesting. I think that the background and you could see like the whole kingdom looked like very encapsulating and I was like, oh, I'd maybe like to go over there and see what it was like. And then I saw the fairy and I kind of was like, what's what's going on here? And then I saw <laughs> that the, the fairy getting by the toad and I was like, okay, it's going to be one of those games where, you know. What are those world. games? Shut up. <laughs> I know, but it's a very, it's a movie ki- type trope that's done, you know, the fairies flying around and then... It's very you know, Shrek, it's wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. And it's like, okay, let you know, this is going to be a funny game. It's going to be dry humour. And I hope that the trailer um, preview kind of shows us what the game is going to be like and hopefully the, the graphics and the astonishing game will actually hold up. Yeah. When you look back at it, the trailer was only a minute long. So... <laughs> just realized going what did you think of it you literally just saw a minute of a castle a furry and a big ugly toad (laughs) and i wanted you to speculate on that so i'm so sorry but um if i were to give you some context the fable 3 kind of had a bit of a victorian style industrial revolution vibe that's where it was left off sort of 1900s to yeah 1900s 18th century um bit of a steampunky vibe so yeah, it, it's a really good game, and if the trailer is saying anything, the graphics should be amazing. Just so you can understand a wee bit in terms of the hype train, back in January 2018, um, a lot of sources said that a brand new high-budget Fable game was actually in the works, so we've been waiting for this for two years. 
The news came less than two years after the closure of Lionhead Studios and the report correctly stated that Playground Games, best known for its work on the Forza Horizon series, will be the new developers for the series. And a lot of you might be thinking, what kind of Fable game might Playground actually be working on? Well, initially the report said that the game is planned to be an open-world action RPG with a focus on character and story. And that kind of tallies up with what we actually saw in what many have called a reveal trailer, but I've just called it a big teaser, with the final shot showing off a big world that looks ripe for exploration. I know the Fable 3 was really good, and it kind of had a bit of a 2D platformy, 3D boxy kind of vibe. Uh, do you know those sort of games where you can walk? Here... Basically like Pokemon Shield, you walk in and out of the environment, but you can't go exploring. So it's interesting to see that Fable 4 will allow you to have so much more exploration in a charming, unique world. There's been no confirmed release date as of yet, but we'll hopefully get it in 2021. We kind of talked a bit about the games that we really kind of enjoyed or thought were interesting. But one of the reasons that we kind of decided to take a different direction with this episode was comparing it to the Shoney Showcase, there wasn't really any memorable games or, you know, I felt that personally that this press conference really lacked a lot of character and personality that the Sony one had. Um, There were great games that were showcased in here, don't get me wrong, but I don't really feel like they caught my attention and it didn't really give me a reason to want to buy the games or maybe not even give me a reason to want to check them out on xbox game pass what were your kind of feelings on that nicole i would totally agree with you i think that the sony ps5 future gaming event was a lot more successful than the xbox exclusive event and it's kind of surprising because you would think that xbox would feel relatively threatened by that prospect them being sort of like arch nemesis um i try not to be biased on the whole Sony versus Xbox because I have an Xbox One, you have a PS4 and we both enjoy both consoles equally. And that's no exaggeration on that part. I just enjoy a game. I don't care what console it's on. I think that with the Xbox exclusive, there was a lack of diversity with third-party development um, in terms of what studios that Xbox we been working with. And there was a hyper focus on the big three, as I said. There was no Gears of War and all that lark, but their big titles got most screen time. When we look at Halo Infinite, as much as I love Halo, there was six minutes dedicated freely to that gameplay, whilst other snippets weren't exactly memorable. There was a lot of um, first-person shooter games, which to me can get a bit exhausting. I know I commented on the PS5 exclusive event and said, oh, there's a lot of third-party games that nobody's heard of. Wow, that's wacky. That's wonderful. There's loads of IPs there. There's some I I wouldn't play. There's some I would play. And I think that in terms of diversification, Xbox was lacking in that. And I really think that they need to think about coming out of their classic construct for their releases and their games. And they need to start reinvigorating the development of different IPs and AAA-rated games. What was your thoughts, Carl? I have to agree with you on that, Nicole. Overall, I think that this was an okay press conference. With Sony's press conference, they really sold you a reason as to why you want to buy a PS5, whereas I feel that Microsoft really sold me a reason as to why I want to buy Xbox Game Pass. But only time will tell what impact this has on the launch of the new consoles. Now we're going to move into our Game of the Week showdown. 
Hello and welcome to the Game of the Week Showdown. The rules of the showdown are simple. Both players pick a game they support that fit the bill for a specific theme for this week. Both will then battle against one another in an animated debate to see which game comes out on top. The three categories to focus on are plot, mechanics, unique appeal. The winner picks the theme for the week and takes home the championship title for that week. Games used once may never be used again in upcoming showdowns. This week, Western Games. So I'm going to give you a fighting chance this week. Literally, we're going into the the, the just gun down show off thing, you know, where they stand with the two uh, guns over the holster. Carl. <laughs> uh, so a Mexican standoff, is that what it's called? A Mexican... What? No, man. You need to sit down. The gun standoff thing, you sound like such a cowboy. Mexican standoff. Is you that mean, what it's called? It's no? called a shootout, you noob. <laughs> Okay, shootout. I'll still call it the Mexican standoff. <laughs> the Mexican standoff. Is every cowboy a Mexican now? <laughs> uh, no, but uh, I will be winning, hopefully, uh, this episode, and I'll be 5-2. So, you know, I I have my, my finger on the trigger, and I'm, I'm ready. And I've went with a very obscure game this week, kind of to give you a, a bit of a fighting chance. Or maybe that's your winner. We don't know. Obscure oh, games. Sometimes obscure games can really win it, push you over that edge, you know, in, into the Mexican edge. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I will tell you uh, the game that I've chosen this week uh, is one that you've not heard before. It's very unique. It's a game called Red Steel 2. It's a first person shooter slash hack and slash, which is set in the Wild West and it was developed by Ubisoft Paris for the Nintendo Wii. Ugh, the fact you just said Wii just made me sick. The Wii is one of the best selling consoles of all time. So, yeah, you, you can take that back. I traded in my Wii in three weeks, so <laughs> I can't say anything. Yeah, but that that's your opinion. There was a lot of great games for the Wii, and this is probably one of them. So would you mind if I go into the plot, and then once I do that, you can tell me a bit about your game? Yeah, you are ready to go. Finger on the trigger. The game begins as an unnamed hero, the last member of the Kugurski clan, is dragged into the desert on the back of a motorcycle. He breaks free, but the leader of the jackals steals the hero's katana. Because <laughs> a cowboy has a katana. <laughs> yes, it's a cowboy slash samurai type thing that's going on here. But uh, while the, the hero escapes, he rescues his old swordsmaster, and the hero vows to take down the jackal's operation within the city and recover his katana. There's a lot of great scenes in this game, like there's a fight on a train full of ninjas battling through towns and a high-tech element to it. But the thing is, it's kind of like a Japanese-type game that's set in like a Western uh, Wild West world, and it's kind of got some futuristic elements to it. And it's it's very wacky, it's very strange, and it's very outdoor IP, and it's brilliant for everything that it does. Yeah, it's kind of like a, a bit of a twist, a step away from the death of the West. Did he get his katana? Yes, he does get his katana <laughs> at some point. Um, I think it's early enough in the story, but uh, we, we'll go into more details uh, at some point. Maybe we can get this game out and you can play it. But what game have you decided to go for this week? Okay, so when you picked the Western thing, it was a bit of a doozy because it isn't really a genre that I've played a lo- an awful lot, to be honest with you. Um, so I've had to pick a big title, and I know a lot of you will probably be whispering it in your sleep tonight. Red Dead Redemption. That is a game I played before it got super hype. And I know that sounds incredibly hipster, but I played it back in 2010 when it was um, just fresh 
out of the press. They followed on from the success of the early 2000s with GTA. A lot of people compare Red Dead Redemption to GTA with cowboys, guns and <laughs> an 80 mile per hour horse, which is unrealistic. However, let's get into the plot. So in Red Dead Redemption, it is 1911 and the family of the former outlaw, John Marston, is kidnapped by the Baru. Baru? Oh my God, what's happening to me? I'm, I'm catching your disease. I can't say things. Baru, <laughs> Baru of Investigation Agents, which is Edgar Ross and Archer Fordham. And they force him to hunt down his former gang members in exchange for his family's return. So basically, John Marston has to save his family. First, he goes after um, all of his gang members, uh, like Billy Williamson, who now leads his own gang, only to be shot and left for dead. He's been rescued by the locals, um, Bonnie, Bonnie McFarlane, and he helps her with several jobs in exchange for her kindness. Um, so upon his arrival further on down in the game in the Mexican state of Nuevo Paraso, John becomes involved in a local civil war between Colonel Augustin Allende and the state's tyrannical ruler and um, Abraham Reyes, the leader of the rebellion against Allende's government. He, John works with both sides in exchange for help in tracking down his targets. So it's kind of like a revenge story. Initially started out, you have to hunt down these members to get your family, but it also becomes a revenge story too. Okay, I think for how unique Red Dead story was for that time and how kind of strong it is, I think that I will give that to you. But I think it's hmm, my my story was a wee bit was okay, but I don't think it's as strong as yours. A lot of people have compared Red Dead Redemption as to being the Western movie everyone wanted to see in the movies because the writing is just impeccable and it stands in terms of um, it's a testament to all the hard work that the Rockstar Studios have put into the game. From what I heard, there was a grueling um, schedule in the studio and the work speaks for itself. You talked there about the studios putting in a lot of long hours into it and I suppose that was kind of to do with maybe the open world game or maybe that was trying to improve upon the game mechanics so can you maybe go into a bit more depth on what kind of unique game mechanics uh, Red Dead has? Yeah so one of the mechanics that is probably my favourite from Red Dead Redemption is the honour system so as John you can choose to help the vulnerable and the poor or you can be a ruthless cur. Almost every action you take is assigned a distinct point value in Red Dead Redemption, um, especially in their honour system. There are clear perks to being a good guy by helping strangers and aiding them in terms of abiding by the law. Like you'll get discounts at shops, um, passerbys will just be generally nice to you. And there's actions that have corresponding positive and negative honour values. So disarming John's opponent in a duel rather than killing him earns you a cool 200 points. And on the other hand, you'll be punished for committing dirty deeds, like minus 100 points for killing a lawman. So it's pretty interesting that it sort of took that system I was discussing earlier on in Fable 3, in that every good or bad deed has a consequence. Um, And I think this is something that they've continued in the Red Dead Redemption 2 games. You've played that recently, haven't you? Yeah, and that is uh, the honor system is there. You know, once you kill somebody, here we do. Or you, <laughs> you know, you let somebody go, here we ding. You know. I like that you can make John the man you want him to be. You can be a hero or you can be 
a really tough piece of work. <laughs> the honor system is probably one of the coolest parts. Obviously, being Rockstar, one of the best mechanics is obviously the open world. It's beautiful. But that's something that is symbiotic of the sort of work that they do, especially in the likes of GTA. So that's the mechanic that really shone out for me. That took a bit of a different turn in terms of the narrative and the consequences they have. Because in GTA, there is no consequences. <laughs> um, so what about you? What's uh, your mechanics? So my game is in the first person and the player can alternate between shooting and sword fighting. Players are able to fight up to six enemies on screen, though enemies packs can go up to at least 20. You can deflect uh, opponents' bullets with your sword. And as the player progresses through the game, you earn new techniques, new armor, and weapons come available for purchase. It also was the first game besides Wii Sports Resort to actually use the Wii Motion Plus accessory. And as I think it's the only third-party Wii game that uh, actually requires it. And the game features an expansive amount of movement with the Wii Motion Plus, allowing it to be quite an interactive game. But I think I'm going to have to kind of tap out here because I really feel like your game mechanics kind of overtake um, what my game has. And I think that that you're going to definitely take these two categories. However, I feel like I will really take the unique appeal. I think the unique appeal is probably going to be a winner in your part because whilst Red Dead Redemption is a beautiful game and unique in itself... It's still quite similar to a lot of the Western movies that we're all familiar with in terms of the death of the West and being historically valid in certain extent. But yeah, Samurai Cowboy is pretty up there with Unique. And I actually just um, had a flashback. I do remember you playing this game and you were actually very good. Yeah, I think I got it out in the Wii, like not too long ago or maybe it was two or three years ago yeah it was three but, years yeah. ago you were quite the sharpshooter and that explains why you're such a csgo such a good csgo player <laughs> no i wouldn't say that i'm a good counter-strike player but um <laughs> i just want to kind of talk about the unique appeal here for this game because i feel like it's a real hidden gem and it, it's great but a lot of the public don't actually know about it it's one of the games that kind of went under the radar and if it had a lot of public support i reckon that ubisoft will pick this up in a heartbeat because it's got a great story great game mechanics and it's very out there compared to a lot of games released on the wii this is actually a good wii game and it's very well made for 2010 and it does still hold up um even you know 10 years later plus it's a sequel so the game kind of built on what was there beforehand and the game mechanics allow for something unique that hasn't really been done in a game style that looks like it came from like a darker borderlands but i really feel like it's the unique story that a lot of people would love if they really just give it a chance yay i won i'm so excited okay okay uh i'm gonna pick stealth game because you said about ninjas earlier and i'm all stealthy like now <laughs> so no katanas for this one but yeah basic assassin games Like what you hear so far? Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you very much for all your support. Now back to the show. And now is that part of the show where we answer your questions. If you have any questions, please send them in to askplayer2pod at gmail.com. That's askplayer2pod at gmail.com. 
So we have one question sent in this week, and it comes from Daniel. What are your thoughts on Nintendo's Direct Mini? So, uh, like we said beforehand, we originally were waiting for this big rumoured Direct that apparently was going to be 30 minutes long. It was going to showcase the Mario uh, 35th anniversary. We were going to get all these massive packages. And uh, realistically, we only really got um, four or five games showcased. And it was a, a partner showcase, so it's not even internal Nintendo Studios. But it, it was okay. Um, Shin Megami uh, Tensei Five. Um, is a game that people have been waiting for for a long time and those people who are fans of the franchise were very very happy with and you know i'm all about spreading the love for the game i i didn't really want to turn around and bash this and go ah but there wasn't really you know anything great in it i kind of trying to turn it around and be like okay some people who really were looking forward to this game got it and i'm happy for them and you know i will wait and I will get the games that I want eventually, you know? Yeah, it was quite funny. A lot of people were making the comparison that Shin Megami Tensei is like Marmite. You hate it or you love it. And for people who love it, they went insane. So they're very, very happy. Um, but from Nintendo Direct Mini, was there any games that stood out for you that glimmers a wee bit of excitement? Yes, I really want to get into the countness of Hyrule. So it's kind of like a... It's it's Zelda, but it's not really Zelda. It's kind of like a, a song rhythm type game with a Zelda element to it. And they're releasing three DLC slides. Um, so it's going to include 39 new songs, five new characters, and an additional story that includes Skull Kid. Oh, we don't actually hear enough about Skull Kid. I'm quite happy and excited to see him. <laughs> yeah, I think that I will eventually buy the physical version or all this once... Um, once it's fully released, I think at the end of October or before October, sometime around then. And it's something that I really will get into. I've heard great reviews about the game and I think I'll give it and the DLC a chance. And then we had uh, WWE 2K Battlegrounds, which we had uh, Cesaro, uh, Xavier Woods, uh, Oxa, and I think Kofi Kingston in the, the ad for it. <laughs> you love a bit of Kofi, don't you? Yes, of course. We're all about that Kofi mania. But it was great. It was great also to see Cesaro in it um, as well. In terms of the next Nintendo Direct, do you think that they're going to release anything to do for the 25th anniversary? So it's the 35th anniversary oh, of Mario. Oh I my got it wrong. Dear. Don't, don't worry. <laughs> 35th anniversary. You, you tripped me up. <laughs> yeah. So I think that eventually they're going to have a Nintendo Direct Mini that will be like a Mario showcase. I feel like they said that they're going to try something new with the Nintendo Directs, but they had to come out afterwards and say, you know, just because of the COVID and the pandemic, you know, we can't do our Direct the way we normally could. So instead, we're going to do much smaller Directs, maybe once every month and maybe focus on, you know, a few different games. And it kind of makes sense that the next one that they maybe do is a Nintendo Direct Mario showcase, which will showcase all the games that they're going to release for the 35th anniversary of Mario. Do you think it might be a bit of a harsh thing to say that there's been so many Nintendo Directs that it kind of undermines the prospect of those video exclusives? You know the way we're talking about digital conferencing? Like I think that having a Direct every month... Um, can sort of undermine the value of what's been given out. Like I understand that, um, I understand the PS Five and Xbox have released a lot of things. There's been a lot of third party content circulating, but you kind of feel like that direct was just to keep themselves relevant. 
I think that maybe that Nintendo Direct Mini was because some of the games trailers aren't finished, you know, due to COVID. Uh, they can't go out and they can't do the big massive E3 showcase they normally would. And that's why they haven't come out and done it. And I feel like the Mini one is a time to go, okay, here's some third parties that are coming out. that buys us maybe another month to be able to showcase Mario. And it also will give us more time for smaller ones down the road once the games are, are kind of more complete. You no, know, that's a fair assumption to make. And if I'm going to be completely honest with you, I think the thing I'm looking forward to most is probably the PS5, a lot of the Switch games, and then Xbox is kind of in the fore, in the background there for me. So Nintendo is still doing pretty well, even if that Mini Direct wasn't what we expected it would be. Yeah, so please don't uh, crap on any Directs or any of the showcases. If you don't get the games that you're you're not looking, or if you don't get the games that you want, then you know don't go out and complain. Just be happy that other gamers got theirs, and just wait your turn. <laughs> you make it sound like Christmas. You'll get your present eventually. <laughs> of course, just just be grateful that we have uh, games and showcases in a very unfortunate time like this, and be grateful and be very understanding for the developers. They just want to create content for you, and they want to create content that is going to be enjoyed. <laughs> Expect Carl to keep it real. On that note, I think we should uh, wrap up the episode and say goodbye. <laughs> of course, thank you very much for listening to another episode of Enter Player 2. Make sure to visit us on all our social medias. Links to our Twitter, Facebook, Instagram can be found in the link description. Please be sure to subscribe and you will never miss a show. If you like the show, we'd appreciate it if you left a rating and a review. Plug in and join us again at Enter Player 2. We'll see you again next week. Thank you for joining. Bye. Bye.